Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast aimed at improving health, vitality and quality of life. Eating real food in a ketogenic lifestyle. I'm Jackie Fletcher and I'm based in the UK. And I'm Louise Reynolds, an Aussie currently based in Bangkok, Thailand. Each week we will be bringing you guests who share their stories and discuss a range of topics which we hope will improve your health and well-being. Many of the guests, like us, came to Keto for Weight Loss and have stayed for their well-being, numerous health benefits and because they are living their best lives. We hope you will be inspired to incorporate these ideas into your own health journey so that you can feel better than you ever have before. Thinking about starting keto? Take a listen to episode number two, What is Keto and How to Start? Welcome to episode 22 of the Fabulously Keto podcast. And today we have a slightly different format. We're doing a crossover. And that means that we are recording with Daisy Brackenhall of the Keto Woman podcast and Monday Mindset podcast. And we're both doing one recording that we're going to both put out. Now, Daisy put hers out on in November and ours is just airing now. So if you're a keto woman listener, you probably heard this before. So Lou, Daisy was quite instrumental in us coming together, wasn't she? She absolutely was. You know, there's that one degree of difference, as they say. So you were listening to the Keto Woman podcast, which I was a guest on, and where I mentioned I was living and working in Chelmsford, which happens to be just 20 minutes away from where you live. And it really... Daisy sort of has been almost this inspiration for us creating the Fabulously Keto podcast, as well as she provided some absolutely fantastic, you know, production, technical advice. And, you know, she's been really there in the background. So it was a real pleasure for her to be on the show with us and and doing the crossover with the Keto Woman podcast. So, um, yeah, it was fantastic. And Daisy doesn't like being interviewed very much so you did really well in getting her to talk I think it must be a podcaster thing you know we're much better at asking the questions than obviously being on the receiving end of those (laughs) questions so um yeah they're not forgetting that she's a really great mate of mine and you know we go you know a few years back to where we first met which was through the two kiddo dudes So we were both on the Two Kiddo Dudes Facebook group and I remember that, you know, that conversation that started it, which we were both responding on a thread about weight loss, weight loss surgery. Now our sort of kindred keto spirits, as we, as we like to call it, we have had a similar, you know, weight gain. We were both at a similar weight, maximum weight before we decided to, to have weight loss surgery. We both had the same procedure and we've lost similar. Uh, in the same year? In the, in same, the year. same year. Yeah. Um, we're the same age. And, um, so we've had very, you know, sort of parallel paths, a bit like a sliding doors moments where we were, you know, these keto kindred spirits. So. Our journeys have been very similar and it was through the two kiddo dudes that we then became admins on the Facebook group, which then moved to the ketogenic forums, 
we both were at similar keto conferences and volunteered at the um, Keto Fest um, in New London with Carl and Richard, where they turned the whole town ketogenic for the weekend. So it was, you know, we've we've done a lot together. And while I was living and working in the UK, I had the opportunity to go and visit her in um, rural south of France. So yeah, with her three dogs and her three cats. So it's been a really great sort of friendship that we that we've gained. Yeah, and there's a, a whole group of you, isn't there, from the Keto Fest? Yeah, there's. Um, we still got the little Keto Fest chat going with Kim Howerton, um, good mates with you know Terry Lance. John Slaughter and um, Matt as well. So, you know, we, we love to sort of be able to, to catch up, um, you know, just in the chat to sort of see how everybody's going. So, yeah, really, really good, solid. And that's part of that keto community that, you know, where you find your, your kindred spirits and you really hold, hold them close and dear. Mm. And they're really helpful in keeping you on track, I think, that when, when you know that there are other people around you, uh, you've got, Andrew that helps because you both do it together but if you're on your own I think having that extra friends and contacts helps you keep on track. Absolutely and I think you know the great thing is when you when we've been at the say the PHC conference and you know here in the UK for you you know when you actually get to meet face to face those people that you've had an online relationship with and just as we're building with the Fabulous Keto group um, but we're both members of Daisy's group the kick-ass keto bitches so um, you know it's really great to to see and feel and hear those people in real life you know and that was the great thing about the conferences and the keto fest community yeah absolutely so at the end of this episode which will we we've cut into two parts so there's episode one and episode two at the end of this one we're also going to include the intro to daisy's podcast that she put out in november so why don't you tell us a bit more about daisy for our listeners that may not know her Daisy Brackenhall is a Brit who has been living in rural France for the past 17 years. She lost half her body weight with weight loss surgery and low-carb eating and has since maintained a healthy weight with keto. Keto has helped her significantly reduce depression and migraines. She's a part-time gardener and lives with her three dogs and cats. Daisy is a podcaster and produces two weekly podcasts. In the Keto Woman podcast, Daisy chats with extraordinary women and shares their inspiring stories with listeners. Monday Mindset is Daisy's newest podcast and a collaboration with her friend and psychologist, Terry Lance. And I'll just interrupt there to say that last week's episode was with Terry Lance, who works at The Fasting Method. Each week, they share with each other and their listeners something that they have found inspiring or motivational. A few years ago, Daisy created and continues to run a successful Facebook group for women called Kick-Ass Keto Bitches. With almost 3,000 members from all around the world, the group functions as a safe and inviting community for women to find and offer support to one another. Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast and we have an extra special guest this week. We're doing a crossover episode. So Jackie, this is something completely different for us. Yep. And our extra special guest this week is our good friend and fellow podcaster, Daisy Brackenhall. 
Welcome. Hello. What a pleasure it is to be here today. I do like being referred to as extra special. <laughs> yeah, you're a keto rock star. <laughs> One of our keto rock stars. Oh, I don't know about that. Oh, no. Oh, no. The... Uh, the British defences are coming up now. <laughs> so what we like to do is start off by asking, where in the world are you? Where in the world am I? I am currently in deepest, darkest rural France. I've been here for 17 years. As you know, and as your listeners will be able to tell, I'm a Brit originally. But yes, I've been here for... A very long time, actually, when I worked out exactly how many years, but I am heading back to Blighty sometime early next year. Oh, great. So it won't be long before I'm back in the same, same place as you, Jackie. Great. Not you any, not you anymore, Louise. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> you've already gone. <laughs> I know. And there's only 798 more days to go in my sweaty, <laughs> sweaty, sweaty Bangkok here. Not that we're counting. And it has now been... But we do have a connection there, of we course. Do. Because my father lives in Thailand, has done for a very long time, is actually mm. Thai. You know, I have extra family there. So I have connections with Thailand. But yes, I know exactly how hot and sweaty it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And at the time of the recording, it's been 365 days since I last left the UK. Wow. That most memorable occasion on the M25 with Jackie um, taking me to Heathrow and having the flat tyre. I don't remember hearing that story. That's oh. the last time you want to have a flat tyre, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Just as you get from the M11 to the M25, pop. Oh, no. Oh. <gasps> And what happened? Did you have to get the AA out or something or did you do it yourself? Not only that, we were late going to the airport because <gasps> oh, no. we'd been into town that day and as we were coming back, some old lady decided, no, she didn't decide, she just ran into another girl on a bike and knocked her off her bike. Oh, so, no. of course, Lou had to run in and help along with everyone else that's saying, I'm a nurse, I'm a midwife, I'm a firemen, off-duty firemen. They were all there. I just stood back and watched while they all went round this girl. So we were late leaving. I had to phone my husband, Julian, and tell him to get on, and he's useless with directions, where to drive. Luckily, I caught him before he got on the M11 because he was going the other way. He would have got on the other way. <laughs> so get on and find us on the M25, and then we had to move everything into his car, and he then sat there for another three hours waiting for the RAC. Wow. I've only ever had that happen to me once, actually. I had no idea. Oh, it was years ago. I had this old Citroen 2CV, and it was on the M40, and I'm, you know, well, I say bombing along. You can't really go particularly fast in a 2CV. But I was going along. This guy pulls up next to me, in the lane next to me, and he's furiously telling me to pull over. I'm like, what? Serial killer alert. What's going on? What's going on? And he's going, no, no, pull over, pull over. You've got to pull over. So I thought, well, better pull over, pull over. I've got a tire that's going flat. I didn't realize I hadn't felt it. It didn't go pop like yours. It was obviously just going down slowly but bless him because i i was just like well what am i going to do um he changed it for me so <laughs> fantastic <laughs> so that worked out very well <laughs> scary thing though yes. when something like that happens on a motorway especially if you're under time pressure well we were on our way to heathrow obviously we we're running late 
um, because we actually waited for the ambulance to come to the cyclist. I mean, she wasn't hurt, but she was just obviously needed to be checked over. And Jackie's car has these these run flats, so they actually just go flat and they have no spare. So basically you have no spare on these run flats. Oh, I know. Mm-hmm. So that's why we had to wait patiently for Julian to come. And obviously I just took it as a sign. Karma did not want me to leave the UK <laughs> because I'd had such a grand time on my extended gap year um, living and working there and obviously, you know, we got to go to the two conferences, so Daisy and I, um, Jackie and I went to the conference as well, so we were all there. I got to go to France twice to visit Daisy, so that was absolutely wonderful, and have some respite. And, um, yeah, it was just a lot of sadness. But this past year in Bangkok is a different chapter of my life mm-hmm. and one where I know when Daisy and I first met virtually through the two keto dudes, so we'll, ever, we'll be ever so grateful for that introduction, that we worked out that we, in our journeys, in our keto journeys, we had this symbiotic mm-hmm. um, twinship Very similar. through our, our weight gains and our weight losses. And our surgeries and um, similar ages, similar profiles. Age, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's a a kindred spirit, so to speak. Definitely. My keto twin. Mm. (laughs) So, Daisy, why don't you tell us, well, the listeners know all about me, so why don't they hear a bit more about your story? As you may be able to hear in the background, (laughs) I have a French bulldog who snores and the snoring is getting louder and I'm going to have to start listing her as a (laughs) co-host. I have good editing skills, but I may not be able to edit her out. So (laughs) if you're hearing this with a French bulldog snoring, that's why. She sounds a bit like my stomach sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely getting louder. I think it's an age thing. She's getting very old. Yes, I am a Brit, but I've been living in France for the last 17 years. As Lou said, we have a shared history, really, with weight gain. I started gaining weight probably early double digits, around about 12. Sort of all the things that impact me started happening around about that time, really. So depression and headaches and later migraines, as well as weight gain all sort of started around about that time. I had a bit of a three-side hit, really. My parents got divorced. I was sexually assaulted on the way home from school one day. And my father moved to Thailand a couple of years after the divorce. So I had quite a lot of things happening in my life round about the age of 10. That with hindsight... I think set me up for certain pathways that ended up with weight gain and probably then rolling on depression and headaches. I can certainly remember starting to get headaches from quite an early age. And again, with hindsight, I can remember starting to feel quite unhappy for periods of time when I was quite young. So those are the things that just sort of set up and accumulated over time to the point where I got very, very heavy, so heavy that I started thinking about weight loss surgery. It was my mother who suggested it actually said, have you thought about this? I was at round about twice the weight I am now. I got to about 21 stone 
for UK listeners, around about £300 mark. So really quite heavy, almost twice what I weigh now. And as anyone who gets to that kind of weight will know, it starts having a significant impact on your life and what you can do. I'm very, very stubborn. So I carried on doing all the things, gardening and the different physical things I had to do to earn a living, which actually I think might have been part of my saving grace. I carried on moving and carried on staying quite healthy. I'm also blessed with being reasonably insulin sensitive. So that's another thing that we share, Louise. We carried on having a fairly healthy metabolism. I don't know about you, but I was starting to reach that tipping point where my blood glucose was getting a bit high, but I was still insulin sensitive at that point. The fat in my blood was was still at a low point. I was healthy, reasonably healthy still on the inside, but it was really having an impact on everything externally. And I tried, like everyone else, I tried all sorts of different diets from the age of about 14, I think was my first one, tried Herbalife and tried all sorts of different things. And it was only really with the weight loss surgery that I lost a lot of weight. Although I had a not so good weight loss surgery first, I had the gastric band, which should be banned, if you'll excuse the pun, and I think mostly is now. And I had all sorts of dramas with that, but ended up having the sleeve after a couple of years of refusing. My surgeon wanted to go directly from the band and replace it with the sleeve, but I'd lost faith in him by that point. So I was determined to try and do it on my own. Mm. And I was doing quite well. I was I was doing the Ducan diet at that point and I did carry on losing weight. But then I had a very, very rapid and significant weight regain very short period of time I went back not quite to where I was when I started but I went back up to about 100 and 125 kilos I apologize I am mixing all the <laughs> ways of recording <laughs> weight and that's when I decided to go back to him and have the sleeve and I did really well with that and I lost the bulk of the weight and it was actually when I was starting to regain again after that magic window that someone recommended low carb and then more specifically keto. And that's when my keto journey started about four years or so ago. I joined the Two Keto Dudes Facebook group and the rest is history. I went from there to being a Two Keto Dudes group admin along with Louise. And then they asked me if I wanted to do a podcast and that's when keto woman podcast was born i've been doing that for about three years also recently started another podcast monday mindset which is all about funnily enough mindset and behavior and i do that with my good friend and psychologist terry lance and so that's that's me i'm here in rural france with my three dogs my three cats but soon to be heading back to the uk right are you looking forward Looking forward to coming back to the UK? I am. I am very, very excited about it. I was on the scale, that balance between being very nervous about it, very scared about it, very unsure, was a bit heavier than the excitement. But the excitement is taking over now. I've joined some local Facebook groups in the area. There are some great amateur photographers and they've been posting pictures and I've just been reminded 
how beautiful the area is and I can't wait to live by the sea. I've been finding out things about the local community which have been really heartwarming. This week, which will be a past week by the time this comes out, but in the UK, people will remember, I'm sure, of the half-term week when the government decided they were not going to be feeding kids in schools as they had previously promised to do. And communities all over the country, but certainly in Hastings, have been coming together and local businesses have been feeding the local kids free of charge, no questions asked, and things like that have got me really excited about becoming part of that community and hopefully playing my part in things like that moving forwards and maybe starting a low-carb keto group. You know, being around people, I don't really have the opportunity so much to do it here. But in the UK, I'm going to be back in an urban environment with lots of people around. So I'm looking forward to becoming an active member of the community and spreading the low carb and keto word and helping other people. I've already got some people on the hook <laughs> via Facebook who are ready and willing to be ketofied. So I'm really looking forward to that. <laughs> That's great. Excellent. And obviously um, we've had such a good connection with the public health collaboration. I'm sure that mm. you'll make a great ambassador for the Hastings, you know, general practice area. So I've been looking at that. There's a big hole on the ambassador map. Yeah over Hastings. So yes, I will be certainly getting in touch with them as well. Yeah, for sure. Sounds great. What are you going to miss the most, do you think, about France, particularly rural France? Well, I'm going to miss the space that I live in. I've gone through periods of time where I've loved and hated where I live. Well, hated's a bit strong, actually, but gone through times when I've been unhappy here. As you know, Louise, it's a big space. I've got nearly two acres of land and quite a big house. And at times it's just been completely overwhelming for me to look after. It's a lot to look after by yourself. There's, I mean, huge amounts of work I did on it from the start. And then there's the ongoing maintenance and things get away from you. So, you know, there were large, large areas of brambles that just ended up getting left and growing. And it's only really in the last few years that I've tackled all those and got it back under control. And this year in particular with COVID, I've, I've really fallen back in love with it. It's been a fabulous space to be. So I will miss it. I will miss my own little spot. I'll miss the area is very nice. I have a few friends that I will miss a lot because I will get to see them. I don't know when really, not very often. Although I haven't seen anyone very often this year. So I guess that's been quite good preparation. I'll miss that. I'll miss the weather for sure. The weather is reliably better in general here. Although it's still variable like the UK, but the summer's that bit warmer, that bit drier. Mm. I'll miss that. But really, those are, I don't know, they're, they're small things. I will miss those lovely, warm, balmy evenings, but we get some in the UK and they feel all the more special for how unusual they are. Although I, I get the impression they're much more usual these days with climate change. So I'm mostly looking forward to it. The thing I'm looking forward to most is just being able to see my family and my friends more often. I have young nephews and a niece and particularly this year but even in a normal year I don't get to see them more than a couple of times a year for a day or two at a time so I'm going to be able to see them 
whenever I like, really. But certainly at least monthly, I'll be able to go to their birthday parties and all that. All that stuff. I actually had a wonderful FaceTime conversation with one of my nephews the other day. He whispered in my sister's ear, why is auntie coming back? Why is she moving? And my sister said, well, to be nearer to you. And he looked at me, questioning me, like, you know, is that is that right? And I said, yeah, true story. That's why. <laughs> and he went all silly. He went all, you know, he, he giggled. And I have to say, I think the thing he's looking forward to most is because he loves cats. He adores cats. He is yet to find a cat that will cuddle him. And I've assured him that Mimi will. So to be honest, I think he's probably looking forward to meeting Mimi more than me coming back. But <laughs> it was heartwarming nonetheless. No, and that's that's very true. I, I can attest to um, I've got pictures of me and Mimi having special cuddles on your couch. So, um, yeah, yeah. No, she's quite a joy. She loves the cuddle. Yeah, which I do miss. Yeah, I do. I do miss my cats and my dog. But um, I'm sure that it, it will be lovely just to have that reconnection because I think that's so important moving into your Monday mindsets about, you know, your mindset. Mm. And as a lot of us have experienced during this lockdown period, how important those connections are and how it impacts on our mental health and how when we find our tribe, as we have done and experienced with our low-carb keto community, how well we feel you understand me you get me mm. you do don't you you understand this experience yeah so finding our tribe is is really important that's right yeah and i have to say i mean i'm i'm used to it now i'm used to most of my tribe being online i don't have a local keto tribe and i'm used to how fabulous it is online but I am also looking forward to having a local face-to-face -face community as well. So it'd just be a different dimension. I'm so used to living online. That is my normal. So it'd be interesting to have the two again. Yeah, mm. be really good. And it'll be really good for you to be able to go to a co-op and get your chipoladas. So thank you very much for that recommendation. You'll be able to pop into your local store and get your, your rotors clotted cream. Is there anything else, keto foods, that you will look forward to being back in the UK? Actually, you've nailed it there. The two things that I look forward to most that I can't get are proper English sausages. Some people would say, you know, they're not the best quality compared to what you can get here because French sausages are just meat. English sausages do have a bit of a filler in. But they just don't taste right without that bit of filler. Mm. And you can minimize that filler and you can find the filler that works best for you. You know, some have a bit of potato starch, some it's a little bit of rice. You can get it down to a tiny amount that personally anyway, I find acceptable. But they just, they don't taste the same. And I always, whenever I go to the UK, I always come back with sausages. And yes, I prefer chipolatas as Luno's and the clotted cream. They are the two things, I think, that I'll look forward to most. Maybe also the bacon, actually. You just can't get the same kind of bacon here. It's the very thin if you get it in rashers. I've actually taken to buying. It's the same bacon, actually, but it's pre-cooked in a lump. And then I just fry it off in the pan. And okay. that's quite nice. But I'm looking forward to proper English bacon sausages and clotted cream. And actually just mm. all the creams, double cream. <gasps> Because 
the highest fat content I can get here really is the single cream. You can approximate double cream by mixing it with mascarpone, but it's not the same. So I'm looking forward to making some ice cream with double cream. Oh, you had me at ice cream. Yes. Well, I was actually in pork scratching heaven. Um, I went up to Chiang Mai. One of the hill tribes around Chiang Mai is the Lana. Apparently it's like a Lana dynasty. Mm -hmm. And um, it must be a delicacy the way that they prepare their pork scratchings. So not just the puffy, the puffy light ones. It was actually the meaty, chunky, chunky ones that I like. Oh, nice. And, Proper scratchings. Um, I have this, oh, I just, it, it was just like, I'm in pork scratching heaven here at the markets because I had these big five kilo bags and it's like, Andrew, I'm taking this back. <laughs> so, um, it was actually really nice. So, Can you not find them in Bangkok as well? Do they not have them there? They have the light, puffy ones. Right. So, you know the ones that you can sort of crush to make your um, mm. your crumb? Mm. But the ones that I like actually have a still bit of meat on them. Yeah, it depends what you want to use them for, doesn't it? If you want to use them for the flour. That's fine. Then the pork rinds are great. If you want to use them as scratchings, yep. you have to have the other ones. Yeah. Yeah, you have to have the other one. And it was interesting because I didn't realize why I can't find them here mm. is because it's not so much a local delicacy, but it's it was something particular to that ethnic tribe. Ah, gotcha. Um, and I'm not being, being disrespectful because there's obviously multiple tribal groups, hill tribes around. And, yeah, it's a particular delicacy from that particular region. And I have seen that they market at Chiang Mai Lana pork scratchings. So I found out the Thai name for it now. So I can say Kap Mu is the way to say it. So Kap is the um, the cooking and Mu is pork. So mm, mm. forgive me any Thai speakers that I'm not very good. Do they ship? <laughs> can you get them to post you some? You can. Or either that or you're just going to have to have regular trips to Chiang Mai. <laughs> So Chiang Mai is only an hour um, flight, exactly. yeah. so it's a good it's a good flight, um, like a, at least eight hundred kilometers. So um, yeah, it's a good a good ten hours in the car. It's but, a good excuse um, a to go up there. It's actually quite cheap. Yes, that is that is another thing actually. Another thing we share. You can add that to my list: pork scratchings. As you know, I I try and try all of them to compare. I think my current favorite still stands: Marks and Spencers. And I have to agree with you. They were, they were particularly delicious. Mm. They're the best ones so far, I think. Not too seasoned because some of them are too heavily seasoned for me. Mm. And they just give you that bit. And uh, it's just, it's a bit, it's a bit too much. Salt. Whereas the Marks and Spencers have enough seasoning to be tasty without being over the top. So yes, I'm looking forward to MS. And I think, yes, I'm pretty sure there's an MS in Hastings. So after my, two weeks quarantine whenever I arrive that will be where I'm heading <laughs> M&S now deliver through Ocado oh handy there you go then <laughs> <laughs> and I have to avoid the pork scratchings completely because once I open a packet I can't stop so I just that's my abstaining thing do you need to though if you buy one pack at a time it depends I'm yes I'm very sensitive to the different levels of abstaining I've finally accepted the fact that when it comes to Coke Zero or Crack Zero, as I call it, one is too many. Yeah. I can never have it again. So I don't know whether that's you with pork scratchings. No, I mean, I can. 
but I just and the other thing is I buy a big box of maybe 14 packets oh. and I'll eat one packet and the others will all be gone because everyone else in the house has eaten them so I don't get to eat too many but I tend to want to eat them between meals and I try not to eat between meals right hmm. that's the trick I think with a lot of snacky type foods is to make it part of your meal but that can be easier said than done yeah but that was actually where I was looking at um, and it was quite a contentious issue about dairy so obviously when I was in the UK and I would have that, that treat. So the dark chocolate and I still have some of that alter eco. You have so still, still got, got some a little left. bit left. Wow. I, I have got like Impressive. talk about moderating. <laughs> so um, you'd be very impressed. I was actually took it out last night. I'm really impressed. And in your honor. So I would melt that dark chocolate and I would blend through the clotted cream and some double cream to make a mousse. So this was actually where I was looking at my dairy consumption. And you know that one month where I went dairy-free and the first two weeks was like, you know, complete withdrawal. And I started, again, eating quite a bit of dairy here because I was really wanting to increase my fat. There was not a lot of beef and lamb. I was really missing that. And I was making this two-kilo pot in my instant pot of yogurt. And every night we would have a little, just a ramekin full of yogurt with some berries and some nuts. And I tried to say to Andrew that this is not a treat, it's part of our meal. So Mm -hmm. when we look at the entirety of the meal, Mm -hmm. we're including, it was probably only like a quarter cup, maybe 80 grams, you know, it was in a small ramekin, but the ramekin started to get fuller and fuller and fuller. (laughs) Anyway, that's a, that's a different story. About carb creep, you know, how much we creep in and, you know, our portion sizes get bigger and bigger. But in justifying this was part of our meal because obviously a lot of our meals are pork and chicken. So we needed to look at how much we were sort of still hungry and why were we hungry and we weren't eating enough fat, you know, in our main meal and really wanting to make sure that if we're going to eat it, we eat it quite soon so our cutoff time would still be at 7, 7.30, so we'd get that bigger break mm-hmm. overnight. But in the end, we've cut it out, and we haven't really missed it. Well, I have, but don't tell Andrew that. I think it's just it becomes routine, it becomes habit, it becomes something you look forward to, you know, it's it's a treat at the end of the day. You know, I really want something nice. So yesterday when I opened up the cupboard, I had seen this recipe for chocolate mousse. So you had to melt some chocolate. So that's how the alter ego came out. So I had some 100% chocolate left over as well. Yeah, so I blended that with the egg whites and the egg yolk and cream and sweetener. So something that I don't have a lot of. Again, it's a Western food. It's hard to get. It's expensive. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was that was a treat last night but you're right you know the scratchings i would only have to they only came in like 20 or 50 grams so they were self-limiting in a way but when you go to the pound shop and i used to buy them in loads of 10 10 at a time so uh, yes i think i would i would have to self-limit in not buying many at once i had a delivery of some salt and vinegar ones which luckily actually i can't get here they're on amazon I had them delivered to a friend and they came here and that was a box of 12 or something. And I got through those in no time at all. So it's the kind of thing that I have to self-limit in just not buying very many at a time 
and accepting the fact that they'll probably get munched pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting what you were saying about the dessert situation. And yeah, I absolutely agree that making foods like that part of your meal does really help. But it's something that has definitely been an issue for me. And as you know, I did a no sweetener challenge in September. It's something that I've been thinking about doing for a long time. And I saw a few people posting about sugar-free September. So I thought, yeah, let's go for it. And obviously I and people in the community that I'm part of don't tend to eat sugar anyway. So for me, it was more of a sweetener, a sweetener and sneaky sugar-free September. And I certainly, definitely at that point, was eating a fair amount of sweet stuff. In the summer, it's always ice cream for me and I like making it. And so I make ice cream and obviously then have a stash of it in the freezer. And I tend to not only have it after a meal, but I'll quite often maybe have another serving a bit later in the evening. Maybe I might even feel like having it after lunch or breakfast. I tend to eat brunch is I tend to be a two meal a day person but I would even get into the habit of having it then as well and it just starts snowballing I'm not eating it all the time but I'm certainly eating more than is a good idea and I would start getting to the point where I'd be thinking about the sweet thing I was going to be having the dessert at the end of the meal while I was eating the meal Mm. It was that sort of set in my head. It was definitely, Terry and I have just recorded an episode that's all about making the familiar unfamiliar and the unfamiliar familiar when it comes to changing habits. And it was definitely my familiar, but it needed to be an unfamiliar. I needed to change that habit. And so doing this challenge, having a period of abstinence, locking myself into it really as you know, being the leader of the Facebook group, having to set an example puts that extra pressure on having to stick to it myself. And so I thought it was a good time to do it. And it was hard. Same as you, Lou. Those first couple of weeks, the withdrawal was was heavy going. You know, it really gnawed away at me, but I stuck to my guns. And by the end of the month, It was enough of a new normal and something that I wanted to carry on with that I did. I have to say it probably went over that first month before it became something that I was actually comfortable and happy with and wanted to make that decision that this is going to become my new normal. I'm much happier this way. I'm actually enjoying the food that I'm eating without thinking about the sweet stuff at the end. I'm not actually thinking about the sweet stuff anymore. I'm not craving it other than maybe those periods of high stress when images might pop into my mind, but they're manageable. And interestingly enough, the overall ripple effect has been one of decreasing my appetite overall. I've been eating less food and I've been wanting to snack less part of that has been a physical change. So I buy less snacky foods, so they're not actually around to have, but I'm not craving them so much. And I'm not going to the fridge kind of constantly when I'm home. Mm. And I know that that is a head issue because when I'm out on a gardening job, I'm not thinking about food. I'm not wanting to be going to the fridge to eat when I'm spending the whole afternoon gardening. I don't think about it. I'm not hungry. I'm not feeling physically hungry and I'm not having the cravings. So I know it's a head thing, 
but it is a problem. And I found that has all calmed down. So overall, I've just been eating less. I've been eating less often. And I wasn't expecting that to come as a side effect from cutting out sweetener. So I think that tells you something about, I knew the theory that it was actually could act as an appetite stimulant. But for me, that certainly proved to be the case by not having it and seeing how all those things calmed down. So that is my new normal now. That's the way I live without having dessert. Interestingly enough, I have had a brief holiday from that because one of my favorite companies, Superfat, sent me some double chocolate cookies to try. But that has been an interesting experiment because it's been nearly two months since I've had any sweetener. I've had the odd trace of sugar in things like there's a small amount in horseradish sauce that I have. I love horseradish sauce with steak. Interesting enough, I I can sense exactly that there is sugar in it now, whereas I couldn't yeah. taste it before. But I've got this super sensitive sweetness radar. But yes, yeah, so these cookies, I, I was very interested to see how I reacted to sweetener after such a long period of time. And what happened? And it's been interesting. There's certainly been an uptick in cravings, but not crazily so. They're one of these products where the bag is allegedly two servings. And it, I mean, it is two servings. Previously, no way was it two servings. I would eat, you get about eight small cookies in the bag and half of those are a serving. There was no way I'd stick to that. Basically, for me, the serving size was the bag. I might do it in two hits. I might eat the four, but then a couple of hours later, I'd go back and I have the other four. Yeah. So I would have to account for the whole bag. And I was expecting that to happen again this time. And it didn't. I've saved one bag, actually, because I promised to do a live <laughs> to talk about them. So I've had to put one bag aside. But I was actually quite happy to stay with the serving size as it was or even less, I've been ending up eating that serving size in a day, but in two hits. So actually just two tiny little cookies has been enough. And I'd never have been able to say that before. Yeah, I haven't had any gastric distress. I tend to, if I haven't had it for a while, pretty well any of the sweeteners tend to give me a bit of a tummy ache. And then, should we say, create an urgency to stay close to a bathroom but I think it must be a certain amount and there just wasn't enough in these because I've noticed nothing one weird thing that I've noticed which could be coincidental but it only seems to have happened with those is that I get kind of my stomach gets a little bit itchy Ah. I've noticed I've sort of been scratching my stomach so I think that has something to do with it not crazily so but it's an interesting side effect but mostly I've been watching what's going on in my brain with cravings. And I have to say, knowing they're there, I start thinking about them. I start thinking, well, you know, it'd be nice to have a couple of couple of those with a cup of coffee in the middle of the afternoon, you know, as well as having a couple after a meal, whatever, however it works. And, and I've mostly been going with that. You know, I've thought, well, well, okay, have them because you've got these three bags and when they're gone, you're back to gone. <laughs> how it was before. So it's been interesting, an interesting experiment to just observe what's going on and reinforces the fact that I need to keep sweeteners generally out of my life, but 
that it's okay for them to come back in limited amounts for maybe special occasions or, you know, some kind of treat in some way. Or maybe when I have people over for dinner and want to prepare a dessert for them, it's just not something that I can allow to come back in too much because it won't be long before it ramps up to that every day, multiple times in a day. But I'm pleased to know that I can have it sometimes, unlike the crack zero. (laughs) Do you think that it's a particular type of sweetener? I mean, is it a xylitol or erythritol, a a stevia or or a monk fruit, allulose for our US friends? Does that make a difference? I think all the keto-friendly sweeteners are pretty much the same for me. I don't like stevia much. I tend to have a taste reaction to it. I find it so sweet that it has this bitter edge to it. Superfat do use it in their cookies, but a very, very light touch. All the general ones, erythritol, xylitol, allulose, I react pretty much the same to them. As far as I know, I haven't tested xylitol, actually. I suspect that I react a little bit differently to xylitol. And then the I find the super sweet sweeteners like monk fruit and stevia just too sweet and prefer not to use them. I like whenever I make a, a sweet treat type recipe, I always start at half of whatever the recipe says because they're almost always too sweet for me. So I like to dial it down. I like something that's sweet to just be sweet enough without being too sweet. I think that's the problem. Well, it's a problem with sugar, but it's definitely a problem with sweetener in that things get too sweet and then they don't they don't taste good. Mm. And you become so much more sensitive to sweet when you're not having it. I think it's good to have it down as, as low as you can. I don't know what the lethal mix is when it comes to Crack Zero. It might be the sweeteners they use. I use aspartame and Ace K, but I can have other drinks that have those in them and they don't have the same effect. So there's something unique about that for me that I find so highly addictive. And it's something that I want, particularly in the summer when it's the the situation I find myself in. This is how it always starts. It'll be a hot summer day. I've been working gardening. I'm on my way home, hot, dusty, covered in, you know, grass and dust from strimming. And I'll do some shopping on the way home. And they'll have some ice cold, whatever drinks they have. But often they have Cokes and Coke Zero. I'm very, very particular. I do not, I don't like Diet Coke and I don't like Pepsi. It's Crack Zero (laughs) is the one. If they have them in the fridge, I will talk myself into it's okay to just have one you can buy one while you're in the supermarket here you just buy one you drink it on the way home and that's it you're not buying a six pack to take home we're not getting into any of that and that will be it'll have been months since I've had one and it'll be just that one and then of course it'll be the next time I'm in the supermarket on the way home and it won't just have been the next time I'll stage it so that I go to the supermarket. I might not need Mm. to go to the supermarket, but I'll convince myself that I do need to do a bit of shopping, even though I only went a day or two ago because I know I want to get that Coke out of the fridge. Mm. And then it all moved to, well, I'll buy one to have on the way home and I'll buy an extra one to have at home. 
And then before I know it, within a couple of weeks, I'm buying six packs, I'm buying multi-packs and I'm mainlining it. And when I say mainlining it, I mean mainlining it. I will go up to anywhere up to maybe a dozen cans a day. That's pretty well all I'm drinking from as soon as I wake up, as soon as I go to bed. It'll start with a few. It'll start with a six pack a day. And before I know it, I'm just drinking it all the time. So it's costing me a lot of money apart from anything else. And I know it negatively impacts me. I know it gives me headaches. Mm. I know it increases cravings for all sorts of other things. Interesting enough, actually, I tend to eat less of the other sweet things when I'm drinking it because I'm drinking so much sweet stuff. But it's it's not good for me. And that's where I end up every single time. I mean, you've seen me in action, Lou. You've seen me what I'm like, what, what I'm like when I'm drinking this stuff. And I don't just drink a can at a time. I pretty well always drink two cans as a serving. And it's a nightmare. And every time I convince myself I can do it, I can just do the one a day, you know, or whatever it is. And I know people who can have it sitting in their fridge and they'll just have They'll just enjoy one of an evening. If I could do that, I would have it probably in my life. Yeah. But I can't. But you can't. Yeah. That's where I end up every single time. So I finally accepted now that I just cannot have it ever again. Yeah. It's interesting. It's really interesting how you've incorporated, I suppose, you know, all the two of us, the three of us here. What resonates is obviously the Gretchen Rubin's Mm. sort of work, you know, we've identified clear things that we need to abstain from and things that we can and can't moderate. But you were very clear on that loophole thinking, you know, and Gretchen talks about those loopholes. I need to go to the shop. And so while I'm in the shop, these are the rules and the boundaries Mm. to which I've given myself permission to have have the Coke Zero. So while I'm in the shop, I'm going to have this or you've created that um, pairing. When I'm at the shop, I'm going to have this. Really interesting. And of course it works sometimes. I mean, I do have those rules in place for other things, like the rule I have for chips, French fries, if Americans are listening. That rule applies for those and it's something that I can work with and it works for me. That If I'm eating out in a restaurant or somebody else's home, whatever that is not in my own home, I will not allow potatoes. If I do allow them, (laughs) I will end up eating them because I tried. I did that earlier this year, actually, and I ended up having them for every meal. But they're something that I will have when I'm out. If I see other people having them, they have to be good chips or good potato product in some way. If I see them on somebody else's plate and they look a bit soggy and a bit there, then I'm not going to bother. But if I can see that these are really good chips in this place and here in France, steak free is a typical thing that you see on the menu. I'll have them and I'll enjoy them. I probably won't eat the whole portion, actually. It'll be too much. I'll just have as many as I fancy and that will be it. And that's my rule. And I can I can work with that. That won't start a cascade. It won't start the same kind of avalanche that the crack zero does Mm. so i think potentially you can set up these loophole rules that work for you but the only way to know whether they work for you is to try it and see what happens this is where we end episode one but now coming up we have the intro to daisy's podcast the rest you can hear next week 
Welcome to the Keto Woman podcast, Jackie and Louise. We are doing another keto crossover. Listeners will probably remember some keto crossovers I've done with Kim Howerton. But I thought it would be really lovely to do a crossover with these two lovely ladies who have a relatively new podcast out there. So I'm just going to hand over to you two to say hello and just tell my listeners who may not have heard yet of your new podcast a bit about you and your new podcast. Jackie? You've probably heard me on one of Daisy's previous podcasts. I started out in 2017 being my heaviest weight and I found low carb and then keto and became a sort of keto evangelist. And so listening to lots of podcasts over the years, I wanted to start my own podcast and I was a bit scared to do it mainly because, oh look, Daisy's out there and she's doing it. Well, no, actually it should have been if Daisy can do it, I can do it. (laughs) (laughs) So Louise pushed me to do it because I was just talking about it. It was just a pipe dream, really. And she said, right, when are you starting? And I was like, no, I don't want to tread on Daisy's feet. So then I messaged Daisy and said, how do you feel about this? And she's like, yeah, go for it. But it still took me 18 months to pull it off the ground. And part of that was because I was doing some studying. And part of that was I then decided to invite Louise to be my co-host and when we had to go back and re-record lots of things. So that's how the Fabulously Keto podcast came about and we just both of us I think feel that we want to pay it forward and help others on their journey to finding a way that works for them to get out of that yo-yo dieting and to find a place where you feel you can do it and you are in control and you can take some of your life back and enjoy it. Fabulous. Fabulously keto. Like it. Thank you to Jackie for pushing me out of my comfort zone and pushing me into the podcast space. And, you know, we can only sort of walk in the shoes of, you know, in emulating the great podcast goddess that is the, the, <laughs> the keto royalty rock star, you know, Daisy Brackenhall. It really was a, you know, a huge inspiration in terms of production and, you know, certainly the content as well as, you know, the delivery. I am very mindful not to say um when I'm podcasting. I'm still dreadful at all that. I (sighs) absolutely rely on an edit. I was thinking just this morning, actually, that I should have a month talking of challenges as we will be later on, but having a month's challenge of only recording live podcasts and I might actually (laughs) manage to cut down my editing time. I read somewhere and it is very true that if you have at least a period of time of recording, not necessarily recording live so that it's going out live, but a one recording deal, if you like, these people who say record video at the same time, so you can't really change it so much. It makes you a better podcaster because you have to get out of some of your habits. And I've broken some of mine, but I still rely quite a lot on editing. So it might be something that I have to try at some point. Yeah, so this podcasting gig is perhaps, you know, I've reflected on it a little bit in the sense that it is a opportunity, as Jackie said, to pay it forward. But it also recognises that we don't have to be the expert. We, in by no means, we're only experts of our N equals one, our lived experience. But 
I feel that I'm very good at asking questions. I'm a researcher. I've naturally got an inquiring mind. I can reflect on what you're saying and perhaps like other good podcasters like Richard Morris is really great at translating the science. Mm. So we each bring to our podcast experience something different. Absolutely. So I may not be necessarily a Peter Atia who's very, you know, they're one of those great podcasters, medical doctors, a low-carb doctor like Brett Scher, but I bring something different to the podcast space and I'm happy to be the the comic relief or the plucky sidekick, that larrikin, which <laughs> yeah, I had I to explain in Aussie in Aussie language what that meant. That's obviously the, the comic relief. Jackie's the straight man and I'm the comic relief. I think that's what's so great about the world these days, though, because everything is international. We have access to almost everyone everywhere there are so many people out there there's no limit to how many podcasts there can be how many anything there can be because there are billions of people to connect with and everyone likes different things so one person's podcast is not another person so the more the better as far as I'm concerned there's no there's no way anyone's going to be treading on people's toes. There are no toes to tread on. There's room for hundreds and thousands of podcasts. People don't just listen to one podcast and different people like different podcasts and they like different hosts and they like different conversations and different topics. And well, I mean, just think about the range of podcasts you probably both listen to and I certainly do. Mm. Yeah. I listen to all sorts of different things and fall in and out of love with them and all sorts of things like that. I think it's a great medium. I like the fact that it's an intimate space. It works very well for informal conversations. I like getting to know the hosts of a podcast, finding out bits and pieces about their lives. My very, very favorite podcast in the whole wide world is Adam Buxton's. And I feel like I know him. You know, I feel like he's a friend. I'd probably be very creepy if I met him in real life. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what I like about it. You have them in your ear and you hear little bits about their personal life as well as the other things and the people they're talking to. I think it's a I think it's a great medium. I really like it. Yeah, I like it. You need to get him on the Keto Woman podcast. (laughs) I can dream. (laughs) I'd fall to pieces. I'd be an absolute wreck. (laughs) be fangirling him i would i really would so yes we will have links in the show notes so people can go and check out your podcast i'll put links as well back to the episodes that you've both been in your own extraordinary women episodes and louise as well as being in crossover episodes and phc conference episodes and all sorts i'll try and dig them all out and put them in the show notes great you can go and listen to some more, but do go and check out Fabulously Keto for yourself. So, Jackie, it was really interesting how we are having a bit of a role reversal, us being the podcasters in the presence of, you know, the keto goddess royalty, our friend Daisy Brackenhall. And I don't know how you felt about, um, yeah, the shoes on the other foot. <laughs> I think she was more surprised than we were. But you did, you did, you just kept looking at me lots of questions. I sat very quietly and listened. <laughs> so I think that's obviously, you know, I felt very privileged in terms of 
being able to to interview her, you know, seeing as that, yeah, she's obviously had this podcast now, her podcast for three years, and she was actually really supportive of us launching launching our podcast as well. So, um, yeah, I'm, again, we're very grateful for her support and production um, skills and ideas that she's mentoring us in our um, in our fabulous journey. Yeah, absolutely. So this is obviously the where we're leaving it for this particular episode, episode 22, and you can hear the in the next episode, episode 23, the second half of our crossover interview with Daisy Brackenhall. And Jackie, can you remind us where the show notes are? Sure. So it's www.fabulouslyketo.com forward slash podcast forward slash 022. Hey Jackie, you know when you were starting out with keto, you probably had loads of questions. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Don't you wish you just had someone who was able to give you just the simple answers to all those questions about macros, electrolytes, reading nutrition labels and sweeteners? Absolutely, yeah. Well, we want to have an episode where you, dear listener, can AMA, which stands for Ask Me Anything. You'll be able to ask us anything using a Fabulously Keto webpage where there is a contact form and you could submit your questions, which we will answer on these episodes. The contact page is fabulouslyketo.com forward slash AMA. Whether you're just starting out or experienced in your journey, we will happily answer your questions. You don't have to be new to keto, so if you're further along in your journey and have questions on being stuck on a plateau or a stall, then feel free to submit your questions as well. Just head over to www.fabulouslyketo.com forward slash AMA. It would be great if you could support us through Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash fabulouslyketo and you can choose the monthly amount you wish. Can you recommend a guest we can interview? If you can, click on the link in the show notes to send us your recommendation. Follow us on social media. Our Facebook page is called Fabulously Keto. Or follow us on Instagram, Fabulously Keto One. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know that you listened by tagging us in your Insta story or Instagram post using the handle Fabulously Keto One and the hashtag TFKP. All the links are on the website and in the show notes. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, click the subscribe button. Reviews help us to be found and reach new listeners. Please leave a review of our show on your preferred podcast listening platform. We appreciate you taking the time and read them all. Disclaimer. The information in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast can be taken as advice. Whether our guests are doctors, healthcare professionals or not, they're only sharing their own opinions and stories, and this does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. It's always best to seek professional medical advice should you wish to make any changes to your current medication or treatments. Also speak to your own doctor if you have any concerns about your health or you wish to make lifestyle changes, especially if you're taking medication. Mm-hmm.